All right, good evening. Welcome to Wednesday night. It's uh, last Wednesday in July. I think it is. James chapter 1. James 1. Actually, we won't even do all of verse 27. There's so much in the beginning part of it. Let's ask the Lord's blessing. <clears throat> Father, we pray for your help tonight. We come to you, O oh God, and we call out to you, Abba, Father. We come as your children, Father, as needy children. And Father, we are always needy. Help us to always know that. Help us to always be of a prayerful heart so that we would pray without ceasing. Lord, we ask for your help today, right now, at this, this next few minutes. I pray that you would speak to us. Lord, let us never take it lightly when we open your word. Forgive us for our sins, Father, this day. Lord, as each of us individually re review our day, and Father, we know the areas and things that we should come and confess to you and I pray that you would you would send your spirit into each of our hearts and help us to do that now Lord I pray you would help us with your Holy Spirit to receive the word with meekness oh God we ask it in Jesus name amen well last time Jesus taught us one of the marks of vain and worthless religion uh, in one's life and that was, I say, one of the marks, because it's one of the marks, one of the outward marks, and it's an unbridled and an untamed tongue. That's one of the outward marks of someone whose religion is vain, um, not real, has no effect on their life. Uh, if we're Christians, the Bible says that Christ has given us or made us partakers of the divine nature. So if that's the case, I should be different. I should have a different character and so a different tongue. James said, if any man among you seem to be religious, we don't want to just seem to be. We want to really be religious with that pure religion. We want to be real Christians. If anyone among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this man or woman's religion is vain. We certainly don't want that. If your religion or your Christianity doesn't produce godliness or sanctified behavior in your life or in your character, something's wrong. Remember, 2 Corinthians, Paul said, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature, a new creation. That's within. You have a new heart and a new spirit. If your religion doesn't equip you with the ability to control yourself and also in turn your tongue, what good is it? What good is it if I'm the same person with good theology? I'm the same person that I used to be, but I know a lot of truth. No, beloved, our truth from Christ is what ought to change us. If the Spirit of God is in us, we should be different. Now, what is also implied here, and James talks about it in chapter 3, in this description of vain and worthless religion, 
is the outward mark of one that does possess that true religion which is from Christ. Of course, an unbridled tongue is the outward mark of vain religion. A bridled tongue is the outward mark of one that does possess that true religion. One of the outward marks. In fact, James says, in many things we offend all in words, but if anyone offend not in word, James 3, 2, the same as a perfect man, fully mature, and able to bridle the whole body. Control yourself, beloved. So that, that's very important. Listen, when God saves a sinner, God gives that believing sinner a new heart, gives that believing sinner a new spirit, gives that believing sinner a new nature, and I would say even a new tongue. With this new heart comes grace from God and the ability, yea, even the desire from the Spirit of God within to not only think right thoughts within, but to speak right thoughts without. And beloved, we may not always do it. We may struggle with our speaking sometimes, but it ought to always be our desire inwardly to please God and to speak those things that are right, that we would have a bridal tongue. So that brings us to verse 27. Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction. That's as far as I could get. The words before God and the Father are very important here. That is how every one of us ought to live our Christian lives every single day. Before God. You see that phrase in the scriptures all the time. In the sight of God. That's how we ought to live our Christianity. That ought to be the spiritual awareness that Beloved, for one thing, that's the only kind of religion God's going to accept. Pure religion and undefiled, uncorrupted, unmixed. But beloved, we ought to live our Christian lives before God every single day. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro in the earth, beholding the evil and the good. That We ought to think about those things. doesn't matter if anybody else is around. We live our Christian lives before God and the Father. And that's what James says here. Listen, just thinking about that the past few days impacted me. And we ought to be impacted by phrases like this in the Word of God. <clears throat> James calls the doing of true Christianity pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father. Now, turn to John chapter 4. Let me show you something, because this makes me think about the Lord Jesus' conversation with the Samaritan woman. You remember that in John chapter 4? Turn there, just a few verses, verse 22. John chapter 4 and verse 22. She was telling the Lord that our fathers worshipped in this mountain. Jesus said in verse 21, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. And then he told her, You worship, you know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. 
But the hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers, that's what I want to be, a true worshiper. When the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. That's a profound statement. The Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit. And those that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So if God would have our worship to be true worship, if he would have our worship to be according to his truth, unmixed and free from our own faulty religious opinions and ideas, because when something's corrupted, it's watered down. And beloved, that's not what God desires from us. He wants true worship. So that's what true worship is that we worship God in spirit and in truth, sola scriptura. In our text, James teaches us what pure and unmixed or true religion looks like. And this is what he says it looks like, to visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction. Now, I don't believe this is an absolute description or the only definition of what pure religion is, but it is a powerful outward and visible mark or sign of what it will look like in the life of one who has it. It's what it will look like. Remember, James, his theme is, show me thy faith by thy works. Well, here's something that he says, show me. If you have that pure religion that's undefiled before God and the Father, if that's what pleases God, well, this is what it looks like to visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction. Listen, as children of God, we should be the most merciful, the most pitiful, the most compassionate people on the planet to the fatherless, to widows, to strangers, to your neighbor, to those that have no shepherd or guide in the world. You ever meet somebody like that? You ever see a kid and he's got no daddy? That's very sad. And when it says fatherless, I believe he's talking about parentless. There's motherless children. But it's very sad, beloved, when we see a child that has no parent. Orphan, it means. Fatherless, the Greek word is orphanos. Listen, God has a special place in his heart for the fatherless, for the parentless, for the orphans, for widows, even strangers in their sufferings, in their afflictions, and in their needs. If I could say so, God has a soft spot in his heart for these. How sad it is to see children left to themselves, to have no one to watch out for them, to have no one to love them, to have no one to go and hold them when they hurt themselves, to have no one to make sure they have enough to eat and just to care for their overall being. God calls each of us as children of God, as his children, to be there for those that are unable to care for themselves, 
to be spiritual fathers and mothers, if the need be, to children who have lost their parents, to be caretakers for the aged, for our elder parents, and even for the aged that aren't our parents, beloved, for those who have lost their husband or their wife. Look at Exodus chapter 22. Exodus 22. In verse 21, thou shalt neither vex a stranger nor oppress him, for ye were strangers of the land of Egypt. Ye shall not afflict any widow or fatherless child. If thou afflict them in any wise and they cry at all unto me, I will surely hear their cry, and my wrath shall wax hot. And I will kill you with the sword. And your wives shall be widows. And your children fatherless. God takes our treatment of strangers. Of the fatherless. Of widows. God takes it seriously. Deuteronomy 24. Look there. Deuteronomy 24. In verse 17, Thou shalt not pervert the judgment of the stranger, nor of the fatherless, nor take a widow's clothing to pledge. You shall not take advantage of those that cannot take care of themselves. But thou shalt remember that thou wast a bondman in Egypt, and the Lord thy God redeemed thee thence, therefore I command thee to do this thing. When thou cuttest down thine harvest in thy field, and hast forgot a sheaf in the field, a bundle of crops, thou shalt not go again to fetch it. It shall be for the stranger, for the fatherless, for the widow, that the Lord thy God may bless thee in all the work of thine hands. When thou beatest Thine olive tree means when you shake it, thou shalt not go over the bows again. It shall be for the stranger, for the fatherless, and for the widow. When thou gatherest the grapes of thy vineyard, thou shalt not glean it afterward. Glean means to strip it. It shall be for the stranger, for the fatherless, and for the widow. Thou shalt remember that thou wast a bondman in the land of Egypt. Therefore I command thee to do this thing. Hebrews 13, just one passage there. I've thought about this often, this verse. <clears throat> you ought to think about this verse whenever you see a stranger that needs help. Verse 2 says, Be not forgetful to entertain strangers. Be hospitable to them. Help them if they have a need. For thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Very interesting. So James is teaching us, Show me the genuineness of your religion or your Christianity by how you care for those that are unable to care for themselves. 
Don't just feel sorry for someone. Do something about it. Don't just say, depart in peace, be warmed and filled. Do something about it, James says. Show me your faith in God by how you get involved in people's lives to help them. And there's a key word in verse 27. Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit. The word visit. Company with them. Sit with them. Listen to them. Get your hands dirty in your Christianity. Sometimes it's going to be messy getting involved with people's lives. And sometimes we just don't want to have anything to do with that. Quite frankly, that's how we think. I don't want to have anything to do with that. Well, you know what? That's Christianity. It's getting your hands dirty in your Christianity. Doing what you can to relieve them. Listen, this is what loving your neighbor as yourself looks like. This is what God delights in. Look at Luke chapter 10. I like this example. You know what it is. It's of that man who was beaten by thieves, left by the roadside. Luke chapter 10 and verse 31. We won't read the whole account, just the last few verses. But you can picture this. And I actually saw a video of someone in a city. This is a while back. This person had been beaten. It was a very busy city where people walk up and down the street. And it was an elder man laying there in the curb at the edge of the sidewalk. And nobody stopped. Everybody just walked over and around this man. It was so sad. It brought tears to my eyes. Well, that's the very thing that happened here. A lawyer came to Jesus and tempted him. A lawyer was not a trial lawyer. A lawyer means somebody who knew the law. And he's asking about what must I do that I might have eternal life. And Jesus goes on to tell him. He says, he even says, I've loved, I've, he said, the love of, Jesus asked him, he said, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, mind, soul, mind, and strength. He said, I've done that. He said, love your neighbor as yourself then. He says, who is my neighbor? He didn't go with good intentions to the Lord. Jesus told him about this man that had been beaten. Verse 31. It says, he's lying on the side half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way. And when he saw him, the wounded man, he went around. Priest. The second one was a Levite, did the same thing. A Levite and a priest, those who serve God. But then a Samaritan came by. If you know anything about the Samaritans, they were despised by the Jews. Certain Samaritan journeyed, verse 33, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him. Compassion is a word of action. And he went to him. And he bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast, and brought him to an inn. And took care of him. Pure religion and undefiled before God. That's it, brethren. 
And on the morrow when he departed, he took out two pence and gave them to the host and said to him, Take care of him. <clears throat> and whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. Which now of these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among thieves? Jesus asked the lawyer. And he said, He that showed mercy on him. Then said Jesus unto him, Go and do likewise. Go and do likewise. Because of who these people were, the priest and the Levite, as servants of God, they should have stopped and had compassion on that man. Because of who you are as a children of God, you should be a person of compassion. God forbid that we would ever walk around someone whom we could take care of. Listen, you may not be able to do much, but you know what? You need to be like that woman with the alabaster box. Jesus said she did what she could do. And beloved, there's always something that we could do. Because they did nothing, this priest and this Levite showed that their religion was vain. I don't care if all their theology is correct. Their religion was vain. 1 John 3.10 1 John 3.10 In this the children of God are manifest and the children of the devil. Whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God. Neither he that loveth not his brother. Or I might add loves his neighbor. Slip down to verse 16. Hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoso hath this world's good and seeth his brother have need and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Indeed, by doing. And hereby, we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. Look at the feeding of the thousands. One in particular, I don't remember where it is at exactly, but in Matthew chapter 9, Jesus said, I have compassion on the multitude because they're scattered about as sheep having no shepherd. In another place, he said, I have compassion on the multitude. He says, make them sit down so that we may feed them. Jesus was the most beautiful example of compassion. Brethren, if we would be doers of the word of God, if we are of that pure and undefiled religion which we profess, we will visit, we will comfort, we will relieve, we will help the fatherless, widows, strangers, and our neighbors in their afflictions, in their distresses, and in their needs. One of the wonderful descriptions of the Lord Jesus Christ during his earthly ministry was given by Peter in Acts chapter 10 and verse 38. That's when Peter went to preach to Cornelius and those that were with him. 
He said, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good, who went about doing good. Jesus didn't just go preach. He went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Beloved, God will be with you. Don't be like the priest and the Levite who turned the blind eye to that wounded man. Be like the Samaritan who went to him and had compassion on him and cared for him. Paul said to the Colossians, Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness. Beloved, let us put, put the adornment of mercy and compassion on. Hebrews 13, 15, and 16, and I'll close. By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. Let us praise God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. So yes, let's praise God with our lips. But don't stop there because verse 16 says, but to do good and to communicate or to share, forget not. For with such, with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. Oh, beloved, let us, who are of that pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father, be compassionate. To look outside of ourselves, and especially here, as James says, to the fatherless and to the widows, in their affliction. Beloved, let us do this with a willing heart. Let us have a desire to do this. Let us be compassionate. Let us be get our hands dirty Christians. Let us not be Christians who just don't want to get involved because that's not Christianity. Beloved, God will give you grace. He'll help you. Beloved, this is what our Christianity should look like. So I pray God would help us all with that, me included. Let's dismiss in prayer. Lord, thank you, <clears throat> Father, for showing me this beautiful passage. I thank you for our brother James writing it some 2,000 years ago, knowing that it would come forward to our time and instruct us. Oh, God, we have the most perfect example of compassion in our Lord Jesus Christ. May we follow his example, walk in his steps. May we have his compassion. May we have his mercy. Oh God, let us never mistreat strangers or widows or parentless children. Father, help us to be compassionate. Help us, Father. Oh God, who more than us who have the greatest of fathers? Father, you've taught us so much. Help us to do as you've commanded us. And we'll give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen.